Baby, what's the big deal? Feel what you wanna feel. Say what you wanna say. You're gonna die one day. For example, I could kiss you just because I want to. What's the difference if you turn away? I'm gonna die one day. We're here in the Baleli compound overlooking Los Angeles. This is such a beautiful place. Do your listeners know that you are like an Italian prince up here in the mountains? <laughs> Me <laughs> do, and the coyotes. Do they know that? And, uh, and, your, and your freaked out dog? It's wild out here, man. It's like um, not that long ago I, had, uh, I see this beautiful hawk flying in the sky. I'm like, wow, how beautiful. Drops this decapitated rat at my feet. I'm like... Nature, got to love it. Nature, yeah. there's a gift. Exactly. It's a gift like, for you. Thanks for sharing. I saw this. You ever watch Tosh.0? No, I haven't seen it. It's, it's like he's a stand-up comedian, yeah. and he and their video like uh-huh. takes stuff from YouTube and things people send in and whatever, and sort of like... Uh, it's sometimes like really adolescent and stupid and right. sometimes hilarious. Right. Uh, but there was one... The other day that uh, it was a video of this guy and his friend, I guess they'd caught a rat Mm -hmm. in their house and they'd sort of like become a pet. And and, but then they, you know, so they had it in a cage for a while and and then uh, or maybe maybe they didn't catch it. I don't know, because the video just starts with them releasing it into the wild. So maybe it was a pet rat, you know, that they just decided like, eh, you know, set it free. And so they're out and the one dude's like, well, are you sad? And the other goes, yeah, but, you know, now it'll be able to run free and everything. And he opens the box and the rat runs out. And then they're sort of walking a little, taking a few steps. And he's like, yeah, I know I'm going to miss it. But still, and you see in the background, this hawk swoop down (laughs) and pick up the rat and fly off. (laughs) The rat did last 20 seconds in the wild, man. Thanks for lunch. <laughs> I know. But Sometimes I think that that's what would happen if if you know, like people like you and me decided to go like live in the wild. Right. It'd be like, you know, some cougar would see us and be like, "Hey, yeah, yeah. lunch." It's do you need to get that or well, it's done. It's Duncan's wash is done. Yeah. Is that the dryer or the washer? Dryer. 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 No, we're good. You don't need to get it and fold it before no, it gets all crinkly? It's all fine. Oh, okay. But yeah, man, it's it's crazy out here. I see, not that long ago, I see right outside that door, like two feet out of my door, there was this huge coyote just hanging out and walking the perimeter of the house. And really? It was just totally comfortable in my garden. And even when I went out, he started moving and then I realized, shit, what am I doing? I'm like kind of making me go against the fence. I'm putting a wild animal with his back against the wall. That can't be smart. Yeah, but but he was, could jump it, right? That was exactly it. That's like, how he got in. My idea was, ooh, the tall six-foot fence, he didn't even have to take a running start. He yeah. just went, poop, yeah. just jump right over it. I was like, Jesus Christ, yeah. that's... That's nature for you. Well, and also, I like, what the fuck? You've got a little girl in here. Yeah. You don't need coyotes no, hanging out. Yeah, yeah. Get the fuck out of here. I, I was staying at this, talking about confronting animals. I was staying at this place in Guatemala years, many years ago. I was traveling. Uh, this ama- it was an amazing place. My God, it was near, near Tikal, a little south of Tikal. It doesn't exist anymore because of another horrible... Th- and the 
the guy got caught up in, in a mess and the Guatemalan military mm-hmm. killed him and impaled his head on a stake in front of the house, which was real nice. It's always pleasant. Yeah, but this was year uh, four or five years before that all happened. Everything was great, and I, I, I had hepatitis. I got, I got hepatitis in Tikal. Some people may have heard the story uh, when the scorpion bit me and all that stuff happened. I told the story on the Risk podcast. Mm-hmm. If you're interested, it's on my website, chrisryanphd.com. I think it's still on the homepage. You can hear the, the story produced with insect sounds and everything. Anyway, the end of that story is that I end up with hepatitis. And I'm staying at this place that was owned by an American couple. It's, it's this really interesting part of Guatemala where it's, it's you know, in terms of latitude, longitude, it's jungle, right. but it was high altitude. So it was sort of like ponderosa pine and cool at night wow. and, you know, the air smelled beautiful. And they had taken over this chicken farm and they'd uh, converted the chicken coops into like little studios for travelers to stay in. And they'd built tree houses wow. and they had this pond that they, they designed like a a stone line tub so the pond like there's a little waterfall that would come into this jacuzzi sized tub and then it was just such a sweet place yeah it was and it was also it had a really cool vibe because when you showed up there they would you know show you around and then there's a book in the in the kitchen and you would just they'd write your name on the top of a page and as long as you stayed it was your job to just when you took a beer from the fridge, write it down. How many meals you had, make a note of it. How many nights you've been there. Then when you leave, you just go through, tally up your stuff, and put the money in a box. And if you ripped them off, you ripped them off. Nobody's right. looking over your shoulder. So I was there because I was sick. I was there for almost a month, right. and I got to know the people pretty well. And they had these two uh, macaws. Do you know what macaws yeah. are? The yeah. super colorful, and they're big. They're like mm-hmm. the size of a fucking eagle. Yeah. They're red and blue and green, just beautiful birds. Um, and they were... They stayed around, but they were free. So they would go fly around through the jungle, and there was a volleyball court, and we'd be playing volleyball, and these macaws would come in and dive bomb you. Like you'd be like going for a ball, and suddenly, wah! This thing would come down, and everybody would hit the deck, and like, oh my god, why? Just because they were just bastard. Birds are mean. Yeah, you know, I don't know if you've ever had a relationship with a bird, but they're mean little yeah, fuckers. They're right? And they're dinosaurs, you know. Right. So. So these things were were just assholes, and they would just like strut around, and and everybody would cower in fear and run and hide and stuff. And I was hanging out with the owners. His name was Mike Michael Devine, and uh, I was talking about like how those birds are beautiful, but they were dicks. Yeah. And he said, "No, look." He said, "The thing about birds is, like many animals, you just have to one time show them." That you're not afraid of them, right. and then that's it. Yeah. And then from then on, you'll have a peaceful relationship. Like, okay, well, that makes sense. So the next morning, I'm sitting at the big kitchen table, and there are probably 15 people there. And these birds, they, they, there was a screen door, and the bird would just grab the door, pull it open, walk in, and the door would close behind him. Right? So we're all sitting there, and this, this bird walks in. 
and he's coming over and everybody's like oh no oh my god and they, they all like get up yeah. and they're all like cowering against the walls and I was like no no Mike told me what to do and so I just got up and I went over to that bird and I was like get the fuck out of here bird get, I think I opened the yeah. door I was like get, hey, on, get out of here and this bird just looked at me and went straight for my feet <laughs> it was like what and then I was barefoot and it went straight for my feet and I was like oh my god oh my god and I, up, I jumped up on the table I'm like on the table like screaming like a fucking oh my god and everybody laughed their asses off the bird just completely dominated me maybe the uh, maybe the show them you're not afraid the delinquency is just in verbal cues you have to punch him out or something <laughs> yeah I sm- although birds you break their bones really quickly yeah, you know because they have hollow bones uh yeah i don't know so i, I don't know I, I i never did dominate that bird that bird knew me you know, he had, was it, I was uh, that bird's bitch. Or got you I was bagged. a bird bitch. You have a strange issue with animals. I remember all the story about uh, oh, the monkey. your girlfriend from the monkey. Same kind of deal. Yeah, yeah. Now, that, now that you mention it, it's pretty much the same dynamic. Like, I'm going to show you who's boss. And yeah. like, oh, it's not me. You're boss. Interesting story you got there. What happened to that dude? Why did they chop off his head? Oh, God. It was a ter- it's, it's, a very, it's a very strange story, actually. Yeah. He was American. His wife's American. They had adopted, <clears throat> I think, three. Guatemalan kids and they were just the sweetest sweetest people I mean you can imagine that's how they ran their guest house like honor system you know Um, and what had happened what happened was really strange so I was there this must have been uh, late 89 maybe early 90 Mm -hmm. Uh, no it would have been early 9 oh fuck I don't remember I've I've got a list I traveled so much in those days that I have no you know I need to look at my old passport stamps to figure out where I was um but anyway, what, what it was strange because I I had so much such a meaningful time there, um, and they really took care of me, and I got to know them well, and uh, and then um, okay, then I moved. I think where was I? I was in San Francisco, or I, I don't remember where I was exactly, but but there was a people can Google this. There was a, an issue where a Harvard trained lawyer had fallen in love with a Guatemalan rebel Mm -hmm. and then he sort of disappeared and she didn't know if he was alive or dead or in prison or what and because her name was Jennifer Harbury and because she was a fearless kick-ass American you know knew the laws and all that she I think went on hunger strike and sat in front of the Guatemalan government offices in Guatemala City demanding information because there had been like some people said they'd seen him in a prison somewhere. And so she wanted to know, where is this guy? And it became a big deal. Uh, It was reported in the New York Times and other places. And at around the same time... uh, uh, Robert Torricelli, who was either a senator or a congressman from, from New Jersey, <clears throat> launched a congressional investigation. Uh, and also, he was investigating this and the mysterious death of an American innkeeper, which is the way it was always described in the press, Michael Devine. Right. And I was like, fuck, Michael Devine. That's, that's, that's Mike. Right. That's, yeah. And so I wrote to Robert Torricelli. This is before the Internet, right? right? So I wrote a letter to Torricelli's office saying, I knew this man. Can, you, can someone tell me what happened? Get, didn't get an answer. I wrote to the journalists at the New York Times and the Washington Post and trying to find out what had happened. Nobody ever answered me. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, and it really bothered me because I love this guy, yeah. uh, and and all I knew is that he was killed, and it seemed that he, that his murder had been. Um, what they were investigating was whether or not the people who killed him were on the CIA payroll. And because, you know, this was like yeah. Reagan. Yeah. Most of the Reagan, Guatemalan Bush. military was in. Yeah, the, the whole thing. Office, I mean, so. the whole Guatemalan government only existed CIA because the CIA yeah. uh, deposed uh, in the 1950s. Arbenz in 54. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, we won't get into that. But anyway, so here's the weird thing. Okay, so this really bothered me, right? right. And, and maybe a year later, I was at a party in San Francisco, and somehow Guatemala came up, and I was telling the story to somebody about how I'd stayed at this place yeah. and these great people and blah, 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 and then the guy got killed, and I had no idea what would happen, and it really frustrates me because I tried to da, 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 da. And somebody behind me turns around and says, hey, I'm sorry, I didn't, didn't mean, don't mean to barge in on your conversation, but I heard what you were saying. I can tell you because I was there when it happened. He was Jesus. staying at this place. Wow. And what happened was that this couple had opened a restaurant along the road. They were like from Tikal. There's a main road that goes south mm-hmm. uh, to, I don't remember the name of the city. And then you go west to Guatemala City. It's just like an L-shaped yeah. thing. And they were, their farm was off this road a few miles. And what they had done is open a restaurant on the main road. Um, and he was there one night. And, it, you know, it was one of these places where travelers would yeah. go, right? And uh, there were a couple of European or, or American girls in there by themselves eating. And some Guatemalan soldiers came in drunk and started harassing them to the point where, like, they were going to get right. in serious trouble. And when they weren't looking, the, the owner, Mike, took their rifles and put them in the, the locker and locked in the freezer yeah. and locked the freezer because that was the only way to sure. work, and kick them out. And then the next morning he took their, their guns to the army base and explained like, look, yeah. you know, I don't want any trouble, but I, this was the only way. And 24 hours later he was dead, had been tortured and they put his head on a spike in front of the house. The hell? Yeah. That's Guatemala military for you. Yeah. And the the commanding officer of that unit was on the CIA payroll. Yeah. School of the Americas, right? School of the Americas, yeah. man. Yeah, people, I, you know, probably our listeners know a lot of this stuff, but it's amazing how few people know how complicit the United States is in all the nastiest shit yeah. that's gone on, like teaching people how to torture, giving them the training, the, you know, giving them the, the weapons. It's just insane. And, and going around every time there's a decent government elected in one of these countries yeah. in Latin America or the Middle East, go in and, you know, kill the, the leader, whether it's Allende or Arbenz or uh, who's the guy in Iran that they took out and put the Shah oh, yeah, in, yeah, you know? Prime Minister, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the people, like, elect somebody who's going to, like, open more schools and yep. put more money into medical training and, you know, and take care of the people, and the U.S. says, no, no, no. It no. always boils down to money. It's, it's always like, money. It's yeah. Whenever there's a corporation getting screwed, whether it's... Um, United Fruit company yeah or british petroleum at the time with iran or one yeah. of those they 
pick up the phone, make the call to their friends within the government and say, hey, would you mind getting the CIA to do something about this? Yeah. And then that's how it gets done. It's It's not even ideological. It's always about money. Yeah. It's always about, we don't care, you know, you are a hardcore fascist, you're a communist, you're this, you're that. Who the hell cares? Are you going to give business to American corporations? Great. You're our friend. You don't, you'll find your head on a stick. You conspire with us to rip off your people. Yeah. That's the thing. Are you with us or are you with them? Us yeah. being American corporations, them being your own damn people. Yep, precisely. <clears throat> you know what I wonder about is um, Chavez in Venezuela. Right. Now, I'm not saying he's a genius. I'm not saying he's a, you know, uh, I, I, I've got a lot of Venezuelan friends who hate him. Of because he's messed up a lot of shit. But, I mean, he also did some amazing things. You sure. look at, like, those music schools and, mm-hmm. like, he really directed a lot of money to the poor. Now... The argument that I always hear is, yeah, but he completely fucked up the economy because he made it entirely dependent on just taking oil money, giving it to poor people, and that's not sustainable. But what I'm wondering is, you remember when he was deposed? Yeah, what happened? (laughs) Well, that's the thing. He was deposed. He was taken out in a coup. Yeah. They the the guys who took him out, which were some military people, uh, you know, generals or whatever, put him in a car, drove him into the jungle somewhere to some yeah. safe house. Twenty four hours later, he was back in office. Right. And I don't know the story. Right. I don't know how he did that because those guys were about to put a bullet in his head and bury his body. And he had some information on someone or yeah. some he had some card up his sleeve that made everybody just go, oh, fuck, really? Yeah. Oh, no. Made a little mistake. We're sorry, Mr. <laughs> yeah. President. Let's yeah. take you back. And I, I hope yeah. that comes out at some point because be I would fun. love sure to know what he did. I'm sure it will at some point. Because, man, he had it was it's like a. Uh, what's that called? A dead man switch? Right. You know, the, the dead man trigger? Well, what's the term? It's a, like, you'll see it on, like, these TV, these, you know, 24 right. or whatever. It's it's a thing where, like, well, it's like a, um, a hand grenade. Uh-huh. You, as long as you're alive and holding it, it won't go off. Gotcha. But you can't shoot me because if you shoot me, then it'll blow up because my hand will release. So, yeah. so he had something set up where it's like, okay, you can kill me, but then this is gonna, this process will right. begin, and you're not going to be able to stop it. That's funny. Yeah, yeah, we should all have something like that set up. But the Guatemalan thing is crazy what you told me because usually, you know, they did horrible things to their own people. You know, the military doing really nasty stuff to yeah. the population. But usually Americans, they would think about it twice because it would be, you know, that's where their money was coming from, was from the U.S. Yeah. So in Americans was yeah. usually considered not a good idea. Generally, but there, there are exceptions. Uh, and in a case like that, they probably felt that their, you know, tiny little machismo had been uh, threatened or insulted. Right. So fuck him. But, and, and the thing is, he had, I'm sure he had absolutely no involvement in any kind of weirdness. Because right. I remember talking yeah. to him. This was in the 80s, right? Yeah. And in the 80s in Guatemala, Civil it was a war fucking was war zone. Full on. Yeah, yeah, it was really heavy. Uh, yeah, I mean, they used to fly helicopter gunships into villages and just shoot everybody yeah, from the course. air, you know, because like one and the Guatemalans, man, bless their souls. Fifty percent of Guatemala population is pure Indian, mm-hmm. which is very unusual yep. in the world still. In the 80s, when I was there, <clears throat> I don't know if this is still true, but when I was there, it was illegal to teach an Indian how to read. Wow. Illegal. Wow. Yeah. 
So it, they're just completely oppressed yeah. minority or majority. Yeah. And, uh, the thing that they wear these beautiful woven um, mm-hmm. sarapes and, and pants. And since the time of the conquistadors, those the clothing has been getting them killed because every village has a distinctive weave pattern. So even with the Spanish, when you know somebody would attack the Spanish, they'd kill one of them, and they'd see like look at the pants, and they'd go and wipe out that village. Right. Of course. <laughs> you know, it's like it's kind of a, not a great strategy. Maybe making those patterns individualized rather than village based would not be a bad idea. Yeah, it was sort of a pride thing, but it's yeah. like the opposite of camouflage. Right. Also, because they're really bright, like. Yeah. Red yeah, and yeah. blue, and like they look like macaws, you know, right. it's like that color scheme. Yeah, not, you know, not to take anything away from them, but it's probably not a great military strategy. Great idea during peaceful times. <laughs> not such a <laughs> yeah. great idea. Had a party. So great party yes. wear. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, so how the hell did we get into that? I, I assume everyone knows who you are because in our little, you know, right. welcome to another. You know, podcast incest episode. <laughs> this week it's Chris and Daniele. Next yeah. week it'll be Daniele and Duncan. Then right. it'll be Chris and Duncan. Then it'll be Daniele and Joe. Then it'll be Joe and Chris. And then it's like that's funny how it all worked out. It's pretty cool. I mean, I, people don't seem to complain about it. Uh, is it Joe? Like, is it all because of Rogan? You think? Because everybody, one way or another, is more or less connected with Rogan. So we're like, we're all planets orbiting yeah, star Rogan. Like he's the Rogan godfather seven. of it all. Yeah. Because <laughs> I mean, when you think about it, a lot of people end up being on the podcast map because of Rogan. Rogan likes something. Mm. Joe say, hey, you know, I really dig this idea or this book or this whatever. Right. Invite them over. Then somebody else listens to them. He's like, hey, that guy was cool. Right. If Joe had him, let me, let me write him and stuff. Because mm. when you think about it, yeah. Every one of the, um, I don't know, like, when I look at my guests, probably about 60% have been on Rogan before or something, 50 mm. to 60. Well, that just um, means you're a lazy fucking producer. <laughs> no, it's that these are, some of these are people that I already know. And then I'm like, like for example, Sam Sheridan. I don't know if you know Sam. Sam no. wrote these three books. Um, uh, two of them are about martial arts where he, he actually you would dig him because he traveled all over the world much oh. like you in oh, really? spirit of adventure and uh-huh. uh, he went off uh, studying Muay Thai in Thailand doing all these crazy things right and then his last book was about um, imagining what it would be like in a post-apocalyptic concept so trying to learn all the skills necessary that kind of thing Sam is a great writer he's a fun guy and uh, again, it's like somebody that you know, I'm like, oh, you know, hop on my podcast. And then sure enough, I look at, oh, he has been on Joe already. What right. the hell? You know, it's like right. some of it is just the same taste. You know, we all share certain yeah. characteristics. Well, also it's LA based. It's LA based. Yeah, so course. there's that. I mean, so, and a lot of people interesting in this sort of, you know, like that appeal to this sort of demographic yeah. when they come through LA, they're going to get pulled into, yeah, into yeah, the Joe yeah. orbit. Yeah. I mean, for me, the, the first introduction to all this was Duncan. So right. I sort of feel I, I, I owe a lot of gratitude to Duncan, yeah. but you're right in terms of like the audience and stuff, Joe's off of the map. It's amazing. And he's so generous you know, he with his, he's awesome. he, he loves to share, uh, whatever he's got, which is really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you interviewed, um, have you had Aubrey Marcus on your yeah. podcast? Yeah. I just actually recorded with him the other day. Oh, that's right. The same day I did actually. Yeah. I got sloppy <laughs> seconds. I got sl- <laughs> sloppy podcast seconds that's i forgot funny. about that yeah 
Yeah, he mentioned, like, we were talking. He was like, so what'd you do this morning? He was like, oh, I was on Danielli's podcast. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. what the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck? So I get all the tired, you know, worn out bullshit well, from I'm you? The, Come I'm on, the, man. Yeah, yeah, I, I like Aubrey a lot. I had him, that was the second time. And uh, he's a really cool guy. He is a cool guy. He, yeah. You know, it, it's funny that he and Joe have become friends uh, and I have to say, be careful how I say this, because this is not an insult, although it may mm-hmm. sound that way. Um, they're because they're both such like obvious alpha males. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And there can be alpha male conflict, but they're both cool, chilled exactly. out. So they're they're both like, OK, they're both like. You know, big, strong, tough, good-looking. You know, rich, mm-hmm. famous, whatever. They, you know, they've got, they've checked all those right. boxes. Hot girlfriend, wife, whatever. Um, but they're uh, they're both nice enough guys yeah. that they don't clash. Whereas a lot of guys like that, they you know they they would want to be the only alpha yeah. in the group. But I think when you are really confident and it's not bullshit confidence, right. then yeah, you don't have that issue. Yeah. And you are happy when you run into somebody who's. Uh, has a lot of personality. They are yeah. intense. As long as they are not dicks either, right. then it's, it all works out. Yeah, and it's, yeah great. it's true. And there's not even that issue of it's true. alpha or whatever. It's like, hey, we're a cool person hanging out. End of story. You know? So few people, I, I mean, I think a lot, and maybe it's a question of age or I, I don't mm-hmm. know, <clears throat> but I think not a lot of people get to the point. A lot of, I guess what I'm trying to say is like there's a, there are rich people, mm-hmm. and then there are rich people who know that money doesn't matter. Yep. And they enjoy the money because they're giving it, they're sharing it, they're Absolutely. helping people. They're, you know, and there are a lot more of the first group than the second group. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I mean, that's what I'm trying to say. So, the, and they seem, both of those guys seem to have uh, achieved that level of awareness in, in many different areas yep. of their lives, which is which is wonderful. That's fantastic. One of the cool things about people like that is that they can be in the middle of a hardcore, adrenaline-driven MMA kind of thing, and then they can be in a mellow, spiritual, mm. la-la-la, look at the stars while <laughs> high on weed or whatever and yeah. see God. Yeah. And they can, you know, they can play on many different levels at the same time. Yeah. So even if you don't have all of their levels, but you are into two or three or something, they are going to be able to speak your language. Right. With somebody else, maybe person C and person B have nothing in common. Right. But they happen to have something in common with both of them because yeah. they're just... They're yeah, they're, more... they're hubs yeah. in a way. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm sort of like that too. Not, not that I'm, you know, I'm not comparing myself to them. But in Barcelona, I used to have um, parties sometimes. And everybody at the party, the people always told me like, dude... I meet people at your parties that I would never meet yeah, anywhere else. Of course. You know, because, like, two of my best friends in Barcelona uh, were tattoo artists. Mm-hmm. And a lot of other friends were doctors because right. I was, you know, working with doctors. So, like, cool doctors, cool tattoo artists, you know, one of them whom was a former Hell's Angel or something. Right. You know, like, you know, sex workers and, you know, like, just like people from so many different worlds. Absolutely. And they're all sort of pre-filtered because, mm-hmm. you know, I think I'm a pretty good judge of character. So, these parties would be like a place where you know the head of the cardiology department at the hospital could hang out and talk with a stripper and like feel relaxed about it you know yeah but that's how it is you know to me is if you are a complete human being and by complete maybe complete is the wrong word if you are a human being who's uh, 
not just a specialist, not somebody who's into their one field, one thing only, and so you hang out with people who are into that field. You, right. If you are a real human being, you taste lots of different things. You experience lots of different things. Appreciate different you things. You appreciate yeah. them. And so yeah. ultimately you go for the essence. The, the cool aspect is the same. Mm. Uh, but it speaks many different languages. Mm. And you like to taste it in all these different languages. And the beautiful thing is that when you get people who are into their own little field, but they are really nice people, sometimes you can put them in the same room and show them that you don't have to be talking about the same stuff to get along. Somebody's mm-hmm. coming, she's a stripper, and you are the cardiologist or whatever, and you do find out that there's... The specifics of what you do are probably not going to be the same at all. You have nothing in common to talk about, but something else maybe. You both you both increase heart rates. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and in some cases, stop them. In both cases, <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. It's a, yeah. a procedure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm, here's a funny story. Speaking of strippers. Uh, one of the reasons I, I knew a lot of strippers in Barcelona was this one buddy of mine knew the bouncer at this really nice strip club uh-huh. in Barcelona. <clears throat> and so we always used to get in for free. Right. I would never pay, like, whatever it was, 30 euros or something just to walk in the door and then, you know, 15 euro cocktails. Uh, but so we used to get in there for free. And um, so I'm in there one night. Uh, is Voodoo. Voodoo is the guy. And actually, I interviewed him on this mm-hmm. podcast. If people are interested, you can look in the archives and check out Voodoo. Uh, so Voodoo and I are in there, and I'm just standing there watching this incredibly gorgeous woman. I can still see her in my mind, right? Right. Uh, dancing on one of those individual floating stages. And someone taps me on the shoulder, and I turn around, and the Spanish guy says to me, Are you Chris? Chris, are you? Eris Chris? Yeah. And he says, uh, I'm, uh, I'm Nacho. I'm your ex-girlfriend's boyfriend. <laughs> and I never met him, right? right. And my, this is a woman I was with for six years, right? right? And I, was, I still was yeah. very close to her, but I just never met her new right. boyfriend. And I guess she was waiting. She wasn't comfortable yet yeah. or whatever. Yeah. It's like he said, I recognize you from the photos I've seen. And like, oh, well, funny to meet you here, man. That's a really funny way to meet your, right. your ex-girlfriend's new guy. And now they're married. They've right. got kids. And yeah. it's like... And we just, we laughed and we're like, okay, look, this never happens. All right. Like sooner or later, like we'll have dinner and we'll pretend it's the first time we ever. Good to meet you. (laughs) Right. You look familiar. No, I don't. No, I don't. (laughs) I mean, I didn't care. She's not my girlfriend anymore. You're the one who's got the issue. Right. But she was, no, she's funny. She didn't care. She was, she's a wonderful, hilarious person. Strip clubs puzzle me. It's like the notion that somebody pay money to go and become incredibly sexually frustrated that's really yeah. way over my head we'll see I that's that's a particular kind of strip club endemic to the united states in spain it's a different scene like in spain um prostitution's not legal but it's not illegal right. as an italian you'll understand that right that's sort of the latin approach to many things sure. you know like what, can you park here well not really but you usually won't get a ticket right. like oh thanks but um yeah this place there were rooms downstairs 
there were private booths. So, so stripper is the advertising aspect of the other part of the business. Yeah, I think most or all of the strippers were also uh, turning tricks. Right. And also this whole, like, you know, you can't touch them and stuff. No. In gotcha. Spain, you can I mean, yeah, be game. respectful. But, right. I mean, when they're not dancing, they're hanging out in the bar and women are, like, coming up and, you know, rubbing against you like Pepe Le Pew. It's, right. uh, you know, <laughs> they're all over the place. Right. Um, no, I get it. So that's it's a prostitution thing where you happen to strip in order to... Right. This, yeah, I get right. it. That, so if you're not into that, you can just hang out, have a drink, and sort sure. of, you know, enjoy the scenery without, you know, ending up but that I understand. It makes sense. You know, yeah. it's like there's a logical. The whole <clears throat> idea of the way it's in the U.S., where at least most of the time, and you can't. You have to like have your hands behind your back and lap. Yeah. Here's all right. This is what I guess you're talking about. I don't get a lap dance. Right. Who the fuck is going to pay money to come in their jeans? Right. Like, what? Are you kidding me? Uh, I don't want to come in my jeans. I'll go home and jerk off. I'm not going to come in my jeans and pay you a hundred bucks to do it. Are you crazy? <laughs> I mean, a dry hump. I haven't had a dry hump since I was like 14 years yeah. old. Strange, strange stuff to say the least. Oh my God. America, get your shit together. Yeah. Will you? I mean, they're starting to a little bit, at least with the drug laws and the yep. same sex marriage. It seems like we're sort of over that hump. Do you think prostitution is ever going to get legal here? Kind of like, you know, the half a state, you know, half of Nevada, it's legal with the yeah. rental system. I don't know. I don't know. It's this country is so fucked up about sex. Mm-hmm. It's just so, it's you know, as I used to say with my Spanish friends, it, it, America is like a country ruled by 14-year-old boys. Yeah. You know, the, they're fascinated by guns and cars and tits and, mm-hmm. you know, and yet they're also like very ashamed of, of a lot of what they're fascinated by. So there's this deep, weird adolescent conflict mm-hmm. at the center of all these different things. You know, maybe it's possible that countries have sort of a, a life cycle and that if so, it does kind of feel like maybe the United States is coming out of its adolescence. Right. It's like a 19-year-old, maybe 20-year-old, you know. Yeah. Because it, it, there do seem to be a lot of people in some position of power now saying, eh, this drug war, yeah. mm, we can't really afford this no, anymore. And, you know, we're, we're doing, we're spending a lot of money on things while our country's falling apart. Yep. These, you know, these old assholes in the Senate and the Congress are stopping anyone from really doing anything about right. the infrastructure and, and you know, like what, what happened to the peace surplus that we were supposed to get? You know, right. Clinton balanced the budget, which sure. is pretty cool, and worked down the deficit. Anyway, I don't want to get lost in all that shit, but I, I maybe, maybe, but it'll probably be a while. Yeah. You know, I mean, you look at, and there's a dude on hunger strike against same-sex marriage in utah oh yeah so that's like yeah. why would you starve yourself why why do you give a shit man yeah it's so strange yeah no it's bizarre anyone who really gives a shit should just automatically be labeled closeted homosexual it's basically how it is that's essentially what's going on but I mean, maybe they're not maybe he's not maybe he's got some other hair up his ass but there's no reason to care right? unless you have some imbalanced weirdness in you. But, you know, there's something to be said about the fact that so many people are 
totalitarians at heart. You know, there's so many people want, it's not just that they want to organize their own life the way they want to. Right. They want everyone to go by their dogma. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it's amazing because in the US, especially when we talk so much about freedom, this and freedom, that, you know, everybody uses the word, everybody's for freedom, right? right? It's just that what they define as freedom is completely different. Right. You're free to do what I tell you. <clears throat> Precisely. Yeah. I remember, in fact, it's funny when you point to the inconsistencies of this stuff. Like, I remember having discussion with this guy who's all about freedom and dying for freedom and freedom as the cool value and going on and on and on and on, right? And he's clearly super conservative. And so I was like, I, I wasn't judging, I wasn't arguing, I wasn't antagonizing. I was saying, oh, so that means you are, um, you, you want to legalize drugs, you want free prostitution, and you're clearly pro-free euthanasia, right? right. Like, he was a, like, like a libertarian position. Like, no, no. Th- yeah. th- that's not what I mean. I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm confused here, because you said right. you're for freedom. Those are individual rights right. that you're not hurting another person. Right. So if you're for freedom, that means you're supporting that. Yeah. I saw a brain meltdown happen in front of me because it's not like you could say anything. Yeah. But it suddenly is like yeah. you could hear the just the circuits burning as it went. It's so strange. Yeah. Individual freedom uh, as far as guns go, right? <clears throat> and you know, with Obama, Obamacare, get government out of my life. Okay, but then force women to get vaginal ultrasounds before they can have an abortion. Sure. So you want government. Out of your life, but in her cunt. What the fuck? You know? Right. Where, what, there's no consistency there. No. There's no... Yeah, and, and I don't know. Do you know who Chris Hayes is? No. All right. Chris Hayes is this guy. He's a young intellectual who's got a new show on MSNBC, mm-hmm. like with Rachel Maddow and all that stuff. Okay. And... Um, David Brooks from the New York Times recently wrote a column uh, about legalization of marijuana, and he's against it. And interestingly, his reasoning was that when he was in college, he smoked pot with some friends, or in high school maybe. He smoked pot with friends, had a lot of laughs, funny, good time, and all that, but he grew out of it. He went to college, he discovered more mature pleasures like love and literature and science and blah, blah, blah. And... (laughs) You know, which which is interesting because some of the greatest scientists like Carl Sagan said that smoking marijuana gave them a greater insight into science right. and certainly into art and music and so on. But anyway, David Brooks, fuck David Brooks. So he wrote this article, this column, and uh, the point of the column was, yeah, marijuana is for kids, whatever. I grew out of it. So should everyone else. And that's exactly, exactly what you're like- saying. Right. And. Um, by making marijuana legal, Colorado is creating the phrase he used was a moral ecology in which it's more difficult for people to grow out of it. And therefore, legalization is harming people because it's making it easier for them to waste their lives lying around smoking dope. Right. That's because I can decide what wasting somebody's life means versus enjoying it. It's like, right. Also, fuck? it completely <clears throat> ignores the repercussions of arresting people and putting them in jail oh, and yeah. having a felony in their record and they can't get student loans and they can't vote and they can't this right. and they can't that. It completely ignores that entire aspect. Right. right. That Be- improves their life clearly. Right. Because right. he's a privileged white kid. Yeah. Now, I don't know about where you were 
were in that, but I smoked a lot of weed mm-hmm. when I was in high school and college. Sure. But I went to a private, very expensive college, and there were no police busting down right. any dorm doors anywhere right. near there. If they did, Daddy would have been calling the chief of police. Yep. You know, not my daddy, but a lot of other daddies, and that guy would have been out of a job. So we were in this protected bubble because we were rich white kids. Right. So Chris Hayes did this thing on his program the other day where he talked about where he and his girlfriend decided when he was 21, he and his girlfriend decided to go to the Republican convention just to check it out. And there are all these security checks. And when they got to the last security check where they actually like opened your bag and not just x-rays, but, and go through everything, he realized he had a bag of dope in his bag, in his backpack, in his glasses case. And the cop took it out, shook it, opened it, and immediately turned his back to Chris Hayes and his girlfriend. And two other cops came over. These are police, not security guards. And they're looking at it and they're talking. And after a few minutes, closed it, put it back in the bag, gave it back to him, said nothing. (laughs) Right. And he said, I have no idea why that happened, but my only guess is that they thought I might have been some senator's son. Of course. And it wasn't worth the trouble. Right. And their job really was to look for weapons. And, uh,. So they decided it wasn't worth the trouble. He said, now, because I was a white kid with a tie and glasses, what if I had been a black kid with cornrows? No, you are done. I'd have been in jail. Yeah, big time. Yeah. That's how it is. And that, and it's not just like, oh, you spend 30 days in jail. It's that derails your life. Of course. You're not going to college of now. Course. Of course. You're not getting a job. You're, you're fucked. And it's because you're black. <laughs> yep. And then he showed this graph of... Um, Whites versus blacks in terms of marijuana usage. Mm-hmm. And it's they're very, you know, sure. few percentage difference. And then whites versus blacks, Arrest. marijuana arrests. Yeah. Boom. Four times worse. Yeah. But that's the thing is like, I love it when I don't find these a good choice. So no one else should be allowed to make that choice. Right. It's like, that's the most anti-freedom argument that right. anybody could make. Right. And it's trippy when it comes to, certainly when it comes to drugs, when it comes to things like prostitution. But then there's the the huge one, the one that, you know, because drugs or prostitution, it will apply to some people's life. It will not apply to others. Right. Something like euthanasia apply to 110% of lives because everybody who doesn't get crushed by a boulder doesn't eventually go through a slow decline, sickness, disease, and then there are the choices of how do you want to die. The fact that you don't have a choice regarding how you want to terminate your own life, that's that's insane. It's like... My father wrote um, an article about that that was published in the local newspaper in Pennsylvania, and his dog died. Well, his dog didn't die. His dog right. was sick. Exactly. And he took the dog in, and then the vet was like, the pain, he's never yep. going to recover, blah, blah, blah. So they put the dog down, and my dad went home, and he wrote an article saying, today my dog died. Well, actually, today I killed my dog, right. and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I, I would uh, – how did he say it? He was like, you know, I can't even dream of having as good a death as I just gave my dog. Yep. Exactly. You know, because of the, like Jack Kevorkian Mm -hmm. was thrown in prison. Now, Jack Kevorkian was a provocateur. Sure. But what a cool guy. Right. I I mean, that's, for me, he's a truly admirable person. You know, and there are all these people. There's a guy, I don't know if he's still alive. This happened probably six or seven years ago. But, you know, it was an old couple in Florida in their 70s or 80s. 
and the woman had pretty advanced Alzheimer's. The both of them were phys- physically right. deteriorated, and they made a videotape together when she was lucid, uh, saying, you know. Look, this is what I want to do. This is what we're going to do. You know, we don't want to be a burden to our children, the whole thing. You know, thank you. It's been a good life. And he shot her and then shot himself, but he didn't die. Yeah. They put this dude in prison. Yeah, of course. It's like some 80-year-old guy who just mercy shot his wife. You're going to put him in prison? Yeah. What kind of sick fucking society is this? I know. Yeah, yeah, no, I think you're right. Euthanasia is a huge. If you don't have the right to to determine your own death, what right do you have? Exactly. It's like, are you going to talk to me about any other freedom? Right. This is we my body. Done. You know, there's nothing left to talk about. Right. This is my game. Yeah. I decide when it's over. And Fuck. the fact that anybody could have the courage slash hypocrisy to ever use the word freedom again when they deny somebody else the right what to do with their own body yeah they should just be kicked in the balls metaphorically <laughs> if they don't have some or real if or they not do metaphorically yeah oh, from here to mean, forever because yeah. it's yeah. like are you kidding me you yeah. really dare to use the word freedom again yeah you evil son of a bitch yeah. who wants well, to impose your and, moral and love, choices on and i love the else. arguments they'll come up with too is like but but human life is sacred <clears throat> Oh, really? Human life is sacred? So what about the lives of people you threw into prison for life, you know, and you don't even know that they're guilty? And even if they were, being in prison isn't going to help them. You know, what what about the, you know, all the kids all over the world who, you know, don't have a dollar for a fucking vaccine? I mean, this idea that human, I wrote a thing in psychology today, like. I don't remember the title, but it's like something like, you know, human life is sacred, question mark, bullshit. No, it's not. Right. There's no consistency in that argument whatsoever. Right. You know, it's it's sacred as long as it's an American fetus, apparently. But then once it becomes a baby, you don't give a shit anymore. And also sacred, what does it mean? Sacred means that we should force you to continue it when you don't want to. That's what sacred means. Right. Sacred means, if anything, that's... You, it should be about individual empowerment in right. that sense. So the sacredness should be that somebody gets to design their own journey, get to choose how right. they live, choose how they die. <clears throat> as long as you don't step on anybody else's toes, you should be free to do whatever the fuck you want. End of story. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking, you know, this this book I'm supposedly working on, <laughs> it's so cool. I'm getting emails from people now saying, like, write the fucking book yeah. already, you know, stop doing all these podcasts, write the book. <laughs> so I will soon, I promise. Uh, but uh, a big part of that book is about how we die. Right. Yeah, it's civilized to death. And the last chapter is going to be yeah. a big discussion of death and, you know, the, the coffin industry, the military sure. industrial death complex. Um uh, but I was thinking about this the other day that the American way of death is like um, basketball games. You ever watch basketball? Oh, that they put like 17,000 commercials at the end. <laughs> so it takes like two What's hours it? for the last yeah. minute and then right, half. Yes. Right. But it's not that they're putting commercials. It's that they, the way the rules are set up. Right, you foul. Okay, yeah. we got to stop now yeah. and do foul shots. You know, like you pass it in foul. You right. pass, time out. You know, they, 
Yeah, it's like, you know, that takes all the excitement out of the game. Yeah. The first, you know, nine-tenths of the game were a lot of fun, and there's rhythm, and there's yeah. flow, and all this. And then the end is just interruption, 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 you know interruption. Why. You know why they do it? It's so that they can throw in a lot more commercial at Money. the end, where more people want to find out exactly. who's going to win. And so that's what it boils down to. It's Yeah, it's I mean, there's a collusion between the, the rules and the commercial yep. interests, as there always are. Of Follow course. the money, as Deep Throat said years ago. Not the movie, by the way. Those of you who are too young to remember, Deep Throat was the secret source that gave the Watergate information to Woodward and Bernstein that brought down the Nixon administration. Google that shit. So if you Google Deep Throat, I don't don't know how far down the list (laughs) that'll come up, but it's Don't click on the images part. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah. Go to the articles, not the video. Put Deep Throat Nixon. Nixon. I'm sure there would be some weird porn there, but not (laughs) as much. There is. There always is (laughs) within a second. Yeah. Uh, what the hell was it we were talking about? The death thing, the basketball. So you're gonna? No, I mean the fact that yeah, Follow in the US the we have this thing about oh oh die yeah. And, uh, well, but it's the same thing, right? It's the same. I mean, yeah. the, the basketball uh, metaphor really works because of what you say. Mm-hmm. That the reason for the interruptions has nothing to do with improving the quality no. of the game. Not in whatsoever. fact, it destroys the quality of the game. But yeah. people make money from it. Exactly. Same thing with American death industry. You. There are, you know, prolonging death is not prolonging life. No. Prolonging the process of dying does not prolong life. So, you know, I hope I've got the courage to to follow through with this. But, you know, if somebody tells me you've got, you can live three months good quality life or you could live a year you know with all these chemicals and all this horrible shit i I sure as fuck hope i'm the guy who's gonna say give me three months and let me out of here you know i do not want to die that way there's this thing that we do things in the u.s hospice quote unquote yeah is weird because everybody knows. I mean, hospice is technically managing your debt, essentially. And the way it's done is because euthanasia is illegal, they can't just give you a big bunch of morphine and be done with it. Where, again, what you do with a dog is they give you a shot that's initially just to put you, to make you fall asleep. There's nothing that's going to stop your... Nothing is only for calming you down. So there's no panic. And then when you are asleep and comfortable, then they give you this other shot that make everything shut down in like within a few minutes. Very easy way of dying. The way they do with hospice is that if you are, first you have to qualify for hospice and all of that. Mm. But even if you do, then they start increasing your morphine intake over days or weeks. And the idea is that's going to kill you. You know, they are killing you and you're asking for it, you know. So obviously it's a, but because euthanasia is illegal, we're not, we can do a clean euthanasia in a few minutes you're done. We'll drag it on for a few days or weeks where you're really in pain, right? Yes, I am really in pain. Can we increase the morphine, please? They give you a little more. Not enough to kill you, just yeah. enough to start slowly moving in that direction. And you keep adding morphine, you keep adding morphine, you keep doing that, and eventually kills you. But yeah. the point is, what the hell, really? Because right. somebody else doesn't want to go through that? Well, they don't have to. Right. Nobody's forcing them. Exactly. But let somebody die the way they want. Right. It's that simple. Yeah. And again, not in the cases, you know, somebody didn't leave an advanced directive, you don't know what's up, okay, right. you got into a whole other issue because it's about making decisions for somebody else's life. Right. Those got complicated. But the ones that are about your own life, why is there even an argument there? Yeah. You know, it should be, it's your life, that's what you want, 
here you go, self-help kit, shoot yeah. up, yeah. done. Yeah. yeah, well, there are some countries, I guess Oregon has uh, legalized yeah. doctor-assisted euthanasia. Very strict, yeah. very, very strict, the conditions under you qualify, yeah. but, you know, you, you would qualify if you have some terminal disease, you are in horrible pain, all right. of that, but, for example, if you have something like Alzheimer, you don't. Right. Because it just that your quality of life sucks, right. but it's not in itself terminal anytime soon, so you wouldn't qualify. Yeah. Which also is bullshit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, strange, strange world. I think Switzerland has, has yeah. got some very liberal rules along those lines. And it's, you know, and it's funny because so much of this is a first world problem, um, you know, because... In, I was just in Mozambique a few weeks ago where my wife worked as a physician for years. And, um, you know, you go to someplace, whatever, Brazil, you know, most of the world. Right. Nobody's nobody's watching this stuff. You know, right. it's only in America where, where everybody's looking over everybody's shoulder and there's, all, you know, all these committees and blah, 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 blah. I mean, they're not paying any attention to the food supply, apparently. Right. And, they're, you know, they don't notice all the radiation leaking into the yeah. rivers. But they're sure watching how the morphine use of physicians. And, and the, the explanation is so amazing that, you know, because we're so paranoid about drugs, uh, morphine is this highly controlled substance. And they don't, they actually, this is in writing, this is, this is U.S. medical policy. The, there are limits on the amount of morphine that can be prescribed to patients with terminal illnesses because they're trying to avoid addiction. <laughs> Just like the dude is dying. <laughs> You're going to be dead in four right. months, but you know we can't risk you getting addicted. You know that you'd and be also, a drug addict, and, and that's bad. And also, no addiction. Just give me an F for a one-time shot, right. and I'm out in ten <laughs> yeah. minutes, and there's exactly. no issue of it. Exactly. So, I, I'll be a dead addict. Yeah. Okay. How about that? Yeah. Like how is it in Mozambique? They don't like the doctors. If it's whether it's legal or not, they can do whatever they want. Well, I, it's just that there's much less. Um, most people never see a doctor, right? Right. So, Casilda uh, talks about when when she was a young doctor in the in the countryside. You know, someone came to her with an issue. She would try. She would do her best. And but a lot of times people died, right? You know, and nobody was suing anyone. Sure. There was no malpractice. There's no this, no that, because they know, like you know, you're lucky if a doctor will even see you, right? Especially if you don't have any money, as right. these people don't didn't, and um, and people die. Yep. They know people die. They've seen people die. Sure. Death is part of their lives. So when someone dies, it's not immediately assumed that it's this great tragedy. And mm-hmm. there's where's the justice? Well, you know, that's an American thing. Right. You know, it's like, you know, yeah, I'm sorry. It, it, it didn't work. It does. Sometimes it doesn't, you know. Um, and uh, and paradoxically, that allows doctors to learn. Right. So you end up like in a place like Cuba. She was trained by Cuban sure. physicians and. She's got incredible respect for Cuban physicians. American physicians, not, not so, so much. much. Right. Because American physicians never get to to fail. They never get to try things and learn things and increase. American physicians, it's all about cover your ass. Mm-hmm. Order 50 different tests because somebody will sue me if I didn't know. Even though I, it's a virtual certainty that they don't have whatever this test would indicate, I'm going to give them that test anyway because if one in a million chance they have it, I'm going to get sued. My insurance will go crazy. I won't be able to work anymore. I'll lose my license. That's the acronym, the CYA medicine. Cover your ass, the- yeah. 
Yeah, that's 90% America. percent of the game, absolutely. Right, right. No, and it's how it is, and it's um, yeah, man, it's insane. Though. Did I ever yeah. tell you about when I applied for a job uh, working as a counselor on a suicide hotline? Sound vaguely familiar, but not enough to. It was back. it was in uh, San Francisco when I was in grad mm-hmm. school. A lot of a lot of psychology graduate students do stuff like that, and I had all the interviews. And then the final interview was the big director, and he said, "Oh, this is great. You, you know, I think you'll be really good for this." Um, but when, one more question: Can you ever imagine a time when suicide would be a good option? Hell yeah. <laughs> that's, what I, that's what I said. I was a lot, like, actually. Yeah. Let me go through the list now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that disqualified. He was like, uh, sorry, yeah. man. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, that was sort of a trick question. <laughs> like, yeah. It's like, well, yeah. I don't yeah. think I would make uh, the counselor they would want. I'm like, really? That's what's going on with you? Well, I see your point, you know, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's what he was afraid of. Right. It'd be like, wait a minute. You know, my, my father called the hotline and the guy told him to jump. <laughs> so that would have been me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Could you imagine? And the cop like grabs the guy and he's got the phone in his hand and they're yeah. hearing, jump, go ahead, jump. What are you, what are you waiting for? Like, Who is this? <laughs> it will all be over. So it's like, not like. Right. <laughs> you ever seen a film called The Diving Bell and the Butterfly? No. Oh, oh, well, you, you got to check out that film. Seriously. All, everyone within the sound of my voice. Find the film The Diving Bell and the Butterfly. It's directed by Julian Schnabel. Julian Schnabel's this very strange dude. He's, uh, well, strange in a good way. Uh, he's uh, a painter, mm-hmm. very successful painter, like a guy who's painting sell for $100,000, right? Um, and he's made just a few films. One was about a gay Cuban writer. I don't remember the name, but that was a very good film too. Starring um, the guy, the, the, the actor who was in, uh, in the um, no country for old men. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. You know, remember, the creepy haircut, yeah, yeah, sure. Spanish guy. Mm-hmm. I can't remember his name. Um, anyway, this film, the, the diving bell and the butterflies, true story. The editor of uh, French Vogue magazine, 40 years old maybe, living the high life, right? Lots of beautiful women, fancy car, nice house, yada, yada, yada. Uh, One day he's driving his daughter to school. He's got a little kid. He's driving her to school and he has a brain aneurysm. Yep. And next thing he knows, he's... Lying in a hospital, completely immobile, um, but aware. Hmm. Yep. But people don't think he's aware. Of course. So he's lying there, and the way the film is done is is just amazing. Now, now, what I want to say is, you know, for people who are like thinking, ah, I don't want to see a depressing movie about some guy, blah blah blah. I agree. I hate movies like that. I, I don't want to go to a movie to be scared or to be sad. Life is scary and sad enough. I go to movies to, like, wipe that shit away, right? Distract me from that shit. But trust me on this. This movie is so beautifully done. It's not... The, the feeling you get from it isn't fear or right. sadness. So he's in, he's like there and, you know, he's just this observer of mm-hmm. the people around him and they're talking about him. And oh, do you know he used to be this editor? Right. And, oh, man, poor guy and blah, blah, blah. And then... 
he realizes that he can blink his left eye. And a woman's giving him, the nurse is giving him a sponge bath and he's like doing this thing. And she's like, oh, hey, come look at this. Something, you know, he's having some weird reaction. And eventually they figure out, no, he's conscious. Right. And he gets this um, therapist who says, okay, you're conscious, right? Blink your eye twice if you hear me. And dun dun, right? Okay. Wow. Uh, you know, uh, okay. So then she figures out the most frequently used letters in the French alphabet and like, okay, one blink is the most frequently yeah. two blink is this so <clears throat> work out the system. And he talks to, and I think the first thing he says to her is like, you're freaking gorgeous or you look right. like an angel. Am I dead or something? He makes a joke with the right. first thing he can say with blinking his eye. Right. So they, they develop this system and he writes a book. He writes a memoir. She writes it. He of blinks course. his eyes. Yeah. The day it's published, he died. Right. Wow. He lived to get that thing published, and wow. then he went. It is such a beautiful film. Really. Nice. I, I really highly recommend it. I, I know I, I recommend films all the time, but I saw her the other night with Duncan. Mm-hmm. Didn't enjoy it. No. No. So uh, a lot of people do. A lot of people think what it's great. It? Her is the, the film where the guy falls in love with his computer program. Yeah, played by, well, the, the voice is Scarlett Johansson. Right. And look, Scarlett Johansson's got a lot of beautiful qualities. Her voice eh, is not the top I, one. I want to see her. Yeah. I don't want to yeah. hear her. Right. But uh, yeah, I was talking to Connor Habib mm-hmm. yesterday, and Connor Habib's take on that film was um, white people's problems of the future. Right. Like, yeah, oh, does my computer really love me, yeah. or is she just saying that? Oh, who gives a shit? Yeah. Who gives a shit? So like a perfect synthesis of that. <laughs> yeah. 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 All right. Yeah. Well. Just based on the premise, before you even say you like it, you don't. The dude who falls in sleep with the com- will fall in love with the computer program. I'm like. Jesus. Well, see, Thanks. this brings us to to Duncan's ocular yeah. Oculus Rift in the future, and is you know what's his name going to live forever? What's his the, the singularity and all right. this shit? I mean, as I was saying to Connor, uh, you know, every time I hang out with Duncan and Joe, who I love them both, they're wonderful, wonderful guys. I feel like the turd in the punch bowl, right? Because they're all hopeful and, you yeah. know, the future, this techno, techno utopian kind of vision. And I, and I just like, yeah, I don't buy it. You don't say it. I right. don't buy it. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's just more plastic in the ocean and, and fewer fish and, and, right. you know, coral reefs bleached out and like, okay, great. You can, you know, it's kind of funny. It's like, the way culture seems to work, it, at least American culture, things get fashionable when they're no longer when they no longer exist in reality. Of course, of like course. American Indians, yeah. you know, like it's funny. I was thinking the exact same example. Yeah, yeah, like oh yeah, everyone's wearing buckskin, or right. you know, or even initially Buffalo Bill's Wild West show, of course, you know, which was like like the eighteen nineties, or you know, or, you take it in the places where there are no more American Indians, and everybody think it's cool. Right in the places right. where there are American Indians, they want to shoot them down. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. No, that's how it yeah. is. The, I don't know. I'm kind of halfway between yours and Duncan. 
and Joe's approach because I see both. Mm-hmm. I think that what you're saying makes perfect sense to me because I mean, ultimately, there's something getting lost in technological utopias when there's the here and now that's getting horrendously fucked up in so many levels. It's just another it. way to distract us while they fuck up the planet, right. you know? So there's that, which I agree 150% with. And at the same time, I think that sometimes crazy technological innovations can, in the hands of somebody who's a moron, they are going to produce more crap. Yeah. In the hands of somebody who's brilliant can be another way to come up with something cool. That, Like, look at something uh, like what we're doing right now. You know, a few years ago, even just the technology for doing this was impossible. And one can argue, you know, you would have more conversation with your neighbor instead rather than listening, except that maybe your neighbor is an asshole and you live in a shitty village. And in that case, having the option of having the podcast that you can download and listen to some people that you do dig is a noble option. So I feel like just because that exists doesn't mean, yay, can't you appreciate the progress of technology is all going better? No, it's not. But at the same time, I find it a mixed bag, at least. It's certainly a mixed bag. But for me, it's the mixture is like, like uh, a rushing river is going in one direction. Right. And there's some like waves that look like they're going the other direction, gotcha. <laughs> but they're not. Right. You know? So yeah, I agree there. You know, we can always find individual things that are great, you know, uh, you so know, mix for you is 95, five in this. Well, it doesn't change the overall right. flow because the overall flow is determined by power and money yeah. and power and money, uh, in the economic system that runs the world now is about turning earth nature into plastic and carbon and you know and that's the the, that's what's chewing everything up and so you know okay we're we're gonna like have 3d holographic porn and like you know we can hook up our fleshlight to our computer which will feel like we're actually fucking scarlett johansson in 3d ow that's amazing but meanwhile, they're developing the tar sands in Canada, which are going to raise the you know sea level 300 feet all around the world, wiping out most of the island nations and plenty right. of the coastal cities. And it's like, who gives a fuck, man? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you could have just jerked off with your hand 500 right. years ago, and it felt pretty much as good. And you didn't have all the silicon and plastic and sure. electricity. So my feeling, you know, and this, you know, you know my shtick well enough to know this, that, you know, my feeling is that the overall quality of life really has not improved right. one iota net right. for human beings mm-hmm. ever since 50,000 years ago. Right. And a lot of, you know, half educated Nitwits are going to say, "Oh, but wait a minute! You know, you, you were people were dying from tuberculosis and you know cancer and uh, uh, uh. tuberculosis didn't exist fifty thousand right. years ago, right? If you really dig into this stuff, what you find is that m- most of the major killers of human beings uh, did not exist." Before agriculture, sure. whether it's heart disease or diabetes or yep. tuberculosis or, you know, most kinds of cancer and so on. So it's it's a moot point to say now we've got medicine. Oh, fuck, we didn't need yeah, medicine. Of course. Of course. Right? right now, that's not to say people didn't die. But how did they die? Generally, they died pretty quickly. Right. Right. They died without a lot of suffering. And if 
You see, I think this, what we were talking about earlier, is central to this question of the, the quality, human, the quality of human life. Because so much of our society is built upon the illusion, I think, that we can avoid discomfort and yep. pain and ultimately even death. <clears throat> right. right. The denial of death. If you call bullshit on that, then suddenly most of what we're spending our energy and, and resources on no longer makes any sense. Right. You know, because you, ultimately you're not going to succeed in what this whole thing is oriented toward. Of course. What do you see as the, um, what's your take on the future? Kind of gloom and doom because that's exactly where the river is going and is this race towards self-destruction and planetary destruction? Do you see any? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a tragic optimist. Yeah, I am too, but in which way, I guess? Uh, uh, what do you think? Well, I wrote an article for a German magazine uh, last year. They asked me to write about the future of sex. Mm-hmm. And essentially, I wrote two articles. Because at the beginning, I said, look, uh, I feel like we, we're in a river that's rushing downstream, and there's a big island in the middle of the river. Now, we're either going to go on the left side or the right side. I don't know. But here's how I see the two yeah. the two channels, right? One channel is that this uh, system that to me seems unsustainable mm-hmm. is somehow Easy. sustainable. It, it, it somehow keeps, sure. you know, because people always say, you know, we, we ran out of whale blubber and we discovered oil, you know, we, so we'll run out of oil or, or we'll find that oil's no longer sustainable and we'll finally develop solar and right. geothermal and yada, yada, yada. True. But probably too late. Oh, sure. Well, not probably, definitely too late because we already know that the greenhouse effect that, you know, and the, the global warming and all the stuff that's already happening is going to happen for several hundred years, even if we stop today. Right. Right. But anyway, let's say they figure some shit out and they figure out a way to suck up the carbon in the atmosphere, or do whatever. And it continues. If it continues, what I see is ever more isolation because these technologies that we're using right now that, as you say, separate us from our neighbor but connect us to strangers on the other side of the world, these technologies continue to develop. And in terms of sexuality, you know, all these technologies are initially funded by sex, whether it's, you know, photography, there's a CR. Yeah, all those things. There's a book called The Erotic Engine that really lays this out. Um. So I, I essentially, I, what I see is that, yeah, we're all going to be screwing Scarlett Johansson, you know, 3D right. holographic, whatever, uh, which, you know, on one level, there, there are positives to that. There, the, you know, rape, it will be far less prevalent. Of course. Um, there will be far less sexual frustration, probably, uh, but there will be greater levels of isolation and loneliness and, you know, the stress-related illnesses that come with that. Sure. Uh, but that's where we're going, right? You look at our food. Yeah. You know, it's all like, you know, it's all it, – it's, it's less and less real and safer in some ways, but far less nutritious. So, so that seems to be the trajectory. On the other side, if the whole thing collapses, which seems to be increasingly possible, possible, then, yeah, there will probably be, uh, you know, a massive die-off. 
but massive like 99.9 kind of massive depends what happens i mean if you know if a media, if a huge asteroid strikes the planet you know that kind sure. of thing that wiped out the dinosaurs then yeah or if there's I mean, people don't know this but 70,000 years ago which is not that long ago, no. right? Anatomically, modern humans have been around for about 200,000 years, right. right? Five million years ago, we separ- our line separated from the chimpanzee line. You know, dinosaurs were, what, 200 million years right. ago or something? Long, like a long yeah. fucking time. So if you start to look at not, not even geological time, but just like life uh, evolutionary timeline, 70,000 years is, is yesterday. Yeah. 70,000 years ago, there was a massive volcanic eruption uh, called the Toba eruption. And I've been to the lake formed in the crater in mm-hmm. Sumatra, amazing place. That volcanic eruption covered the earth in ash. In, in most of Asia, the ash layer in the soil is... I don't remember if it's a f- over a foot deep or four to five inches, but it's heavy, massive. Yeah. The entire planet was thrust into a global winter. There was a huge species die-off, including our ancestors, apparently, who had already left Africa, but then got wiped out wherever they were. And you know, then there, the only ones left were back in Africa. So then there was a second uh, right. migration out uh, about forty thousand years ago. How did anybody survive it? Well, probably in Africa they survived because they were far enough away that by the time the ash cloud got around the earth to to Africa, it had already dissipated enough that it wasn't as huge. And also the temperature drops. If you're you're in a tropical zone, the temperature drop. Big deal. You know, probably wasn't as massive or it didn't like put you into another ice age, right? It triggered ice ages and shit. So anyway, stuff like that happens regularly on this planet. So there could just be... A belch. It could it could have nothing to do with all the fucked up shit that we're doing with right. Fukushima and all the rest of it. It could just be an earthly fart, and boom, we're all you know yeah. wiped out, or ninety nine percent of us. If that happens, to me, see, this is how fucked up I am. That's a best case scenario, right? Right. So that happens. There are four or five million people left on the planet, and they look at the way it was going and. Somehow say, let's know, not do that again. Four or five million seems super optimistic <laughs> because the thing is, yeah. it's different when some bad shit happened when everybody on earth was used to living off the land. Yeah, is one right, thing. right. Yeah, some bad shit happened today. Let's say not no meteor, no whatever. Just say that the overall uh, between radiation or the quality of water has gone down to crap. If uh, you put almost everybody today in the world in a condition where they have to live off the land, except that the land wasn't the land that it was thousands of years ago where you could uh, pick something of yeah. a, fru- uh, a fruit of a tree and it would feed you big time. Now there's the quality that you can get out of nature is tiny. Well, what there's no you, nature. There's very I mean, like nature. the entire American right. Midwest, nothing will go there if they're not pumping all these, those phosphorus Precisely. and petroleum products. So, yeah. so the thing is, there's very little out there. What's out there is highly compromised, and we don't have the skill to do it anymore. Yeah. I don't know. Four or five million seems very optimistic. Yeah. I'm being, you know, but I'm thinking, 
you know, think about, you're talking about America. I'm talking about the whole world, right? Sure. So imagine, you know, there are a lot of people who Ooh. know how to grow shit and have animals and, you know. And that is one of the problems, the knowledge aspect. But yeah. then the other aspect is the compromise ecosystem. That, you know, you may have the skill to know some of that stuff, but yeah. the condition in which you are facing challenges because of a screwed up environment, again, whether you're talking about radiation or whether you're talking about, you know, if you have shitty water quality, it doesn't matter how much knowledge you have, you're done. Yeah. You know, there's not much you can do. Yeah. If you have, you know, radiation, in, you're done. It's, uh, yeah. So knowledge is definitely one of the big aspects, but it's only one of them. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I went, I went, somebody should write a post-apocalyptic, well, maybe they have, like, if these assholes with their guns and their bomb shelters and their canned right. goods, if they actually survive, like, who wants to? Like, that, you know, sometimes I, I think I was watching Joe was talking to Shane Smith, the guy right. from Vice, uh, recently, and they were talking about Shane Smith said um, that uh, you know, as he gets to know more people in upper levels of government and you know, yeah. like sort of big shot people, he's finding that a lot of them have. Uh, like an escape hatch they've got a house up in the mountain somewhere full of food and guns and like if shit hits i'm going to colorado or you and know, you last Idaho. Uh, nine more months than everybody else well or you'll last till somebody sees you up there and then they come up and kill you and take all your food you know it's like well, that that's the <clears> thing like okay yeah i don't get it why why do you really want to survive if the entire world is Blown and, to shit. And you don't, you know? by the way. Because, again, what you can store or what you can do with, it yeah. buys you months slash uh, year yeah. or two. It doesn't buy you if the whole system... Well, maybe they figure, like, it'll be a year of, like, major shitstorm and then things will work out and then you can, like, come out of your hole and, and you'll be all right after a year. Yeah, that's maybe. very optimistic. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. To me, it's like, if one really think that that's what's going to happen, I think yeah. he's not... Because, again, what could – if it happened 800 years ago when everybody lived on the land to one right. degree or another, it would have right. been one story. Now, when that land is compromised and the knowledge is gone, good luck. Yeah. Well, I know what I'm doing. When when the end comes, I'm going to hightail it up here to the Bolelli compound because this will be the place to be. You know, you've got all these beautiful trees. Do you have any animals? Do you have any goats or anything? No, no goats, sadly. But uh, <laughs> we can work on it. Well, you know, I mean, it's a funny thing. But when I met Casilda, right. uh, I, I sort of thought, like, wow, okay, so now, like, I've got my my post-apocalyptic get out of free get out of jail free right. card because she's like she's a doctor she's worked with nothing right. you know i mean she we walk through like any park and she'll go oh look you can use that 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 cures diabetes and oh look this is really good right. for you know infections and you can oh see that one there those leaves are good for this she just knows all this shit awesome. from growing up with it even though even though like that's Africa and we're in, you know, yeah. New York or whatever, it, it, the plants are similar enough that she recognizes the properties. Um, so that's cool. And the other cool thing is that she's completely comfortable killing animals. Right. So, you know, if we do, you know, it's like somebody has to kill the kitchen, the chicken, she'll, you know, she'll step right up. And I think that part of the problem would be raised when <laughs> yeah, you're hungry exactly. enough. Like, exactly. You can be the squeamishest person ever, but after you don't squeamishest. eat for 
two weeks, I think he's like, where's that machete right now? That's funny, yeah. This is going through somebody's true. neck now. I met this couple, this amazing couple in, I met them in Nepal a year, long time ago. They, oh, what an amazing couple. Captain Dan and Shaku. I'll, I'll tell a story about them. Bonus content, Captain Dan and Shaku. I'll talk about them sometime. Incredible couple. Oh, my God. Anyway. He was a British mercenary soldier who took some acid and and um, what's the word when you run away from the military? Deserted from Vietnam, walked to India. Wow. Yeah. And ended up with a film career playing the ugly, nasty British guy. Which is a recurring role in Bollywood films. Great. Who like chases the girls around and stuff. And he sort of became a bit of a movie star in India. And then he met this daughter of a brigadier general in the Indian army. They fell in love. Long story. His family had disowned him. Her family disowned her. The two of them walked through India for years. Just walking wow. from village to village. A meeting with a lot of anger and freaked out. Because white guys and Indian sure. women, you don't do that in right. India. I know that having traveled there with my Indian-looking wife, which was a challenge. But uh, why am I talking about Captain Dan and Shaku? Oh, oh, they told this story. They had this border collie. And they, they were up in Kashmir, uh, walking through the mountains in Kashmir. And... Uh, they got caught in a sudden snowstorm Mm -hmm. and they, they made a little cave, you know, they dug themselves in and they were there and it just kept snowing and snowing and snowing. And, and like five, six days in, you know, they were just like freezing and starving and, and they said, we got to kill our dog. We got to eat that dog, you know, who they love. Sure. And I remember Dan telling me the story. He had tears in his eyes. And, and he said, I couldn't do it, man. I've killed people. I've I've killed children. You know, from he flew helicopters in right. Vietnam. He's done a lot of really nasty shit. He's a big tattoo-covered fucking right. formerly really nasty dude. And he could not do it. And Shaku, his wife, said, yeah, well, I did it. Right. You know, life is life. You got to do what you got to do. And she, she was very matter of fact about it. Yeah. And she was kind of laughing. She thought it was cute how, how like broken up he was, you know, <laughs> it's like had this big, wimp. big soldier, even kill the dog. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But he ate it. I, I, I remember saying like, you couldn't kill it, but you ate it, didn't you? Yeah. He's like, fuck yeah, man. Once it started cooking, you know, right. it smelled pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what happens in India? Why India in particular? They are so mad about the white guy, native woman thing. Well, you know, it's not just India, but in India, there's a very, um, you know, there's a very strong us them thing, you know, which right. you see in a lot of a lot of societies. But and they're also it's a very um, uh, male dominated you know right. they're the women they're women are considered property right it, it very explicitly you know still uh, now huh? oh yeah yeah wow. there's still arranged marriages you know it, women are very um you know in their in their jewelry and their clothing it's very clear whether a woman is married or unmarried there's no Really, as a traveler in India, uh, at least when I was there, and I'm pretty sure it's it's the same now, 
there's virtually zero possibility that you are going to hook up with an Indian woman. Right. Unless she's a prostitute. Right. And, uh, yeah, and, and they've got a fucked up thing with sex, too. They're very, you know, the, the Kama Sutra must have been good times, but those times are long, long gone. Because now they're very conservative and, and unimaginative and uncool about, right. you know, any sort of, well, the gay rights thing. Mm-hmm. They just passed a, a law, reinstated a law that's, that's against that, and they're, you know, there's all these rapes happening. Yep. It's, it's a... It, I mean, I love India. I love India. Don't get me wrong, but it's not uh, a society that I would call very progressive in terms of sexual politics. What do you anyway. love about it? Because that seemed like pretty big right there. Uh, well, I love uh, I love a lot of the things that you and I were talking about earlier. I love the um, I love the fact that it's very low to the ground. You know, like a lot of the things that we isolate ourselves from and we're in denial about in the West, in India, are just like right there. Right. You know, people shit in the street. People, you know, yeah. there. it's like I've seen lots of dead bodies. I was in Varanasi. You know, the people are burning the bodies by the river. The, the death is, you know, life is seen. It's a different kind of thing. It's not this, you know, you're born, you live, you die. No, it's you're born, you live, you die. You're born, you live, you die. You're born, you live, you right. die. It's, it's, it's a very... It's a more comprehensive vision of life. And it's so... Have you been to India? No. It's just... It's a sensory overload. It's colorful, and the smells are amazing, both on the good and the bad right. scale. That's what it is. It's like, it's like the scale of experience is just a lot wider. That's good. Good and bad, yeah. right? So the colors are deeper, richer, more intense. Um, the, the, I mean, I remember getting there and like in old Delhi, and, and you look at the street, and it's just chaos. I mean, there are... Buses and elephants and goats and right. camels and like people everywhere and tuk-tuks and bicycles and it's all somehow flowing, right. you know, and go in the, and there's like an intersection. We well, forget about streetlights, sure. man. It's just like it, 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 it's so like intense that it's it becomes organic and it's. I That's had some still, wonderful experiences. In India. No, some of that that sound some of it definitely sound extremely interesting. But I don't know the fuck that attitude about sex that seemed like hard to. Make up for right, but like if you if that's gonna stop you from traveling, then you're not gonna go to Texas. Sure. <laughs> Never been, right? You're not gonna go to Georgia. Right. You know, there are a lot of places you're yeah, not gonna yeah. go because right? most of the world's fucked up about sex, and if yeah. not sex, pick something else. Sure. You know, sure, sure, sure. Um, like Afghanistan and Pakistan, for example, which are horribly fucked up about sex from our perspective. Yeah. Uh, I've never been to either country, but friends who've been there just say it's their favorite places in the world. Beautiful, right. You know, I'm not talking about soldiers, you know, American soldiers. I'm sure their experience is very different, but unbelievably beautiful. The people unbelievably hospitable, kind, generous, friendly, you know. So that's the thing about travel. That's the thing about well, it's what you said earlier about about people who are evolved to a certain point. They it's like okay, we don't relate on this level, but we can share this, sure, sure, and sure, sure. and so it. we'll do that. You yeah. know, that's how I feel about travel. Yeah, it's, that's fair. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, India. I, I I've had well, I've had some amazing experiences in India. 
the first I, I um I wrote about this on Psychology Today, uh, an experience I had with a Sikh man who, uh, well, basically the first, when I was in Old Delhi, my first trip to India, it's, it's a long story. I won't tell the whole story. If anyone's interested, it can look up my Psychology Today blog, uh, and it's something about Sikhs, or write to me, I'll send you the link. Um, but I, I, when I first got to India, I had all my money at like $15,000 in cash because someone had told me in Asia you get a better exchange rate with right. cash than traveler's checks. So it was all cash in my money belt, my passport, you know, whatever. And um, I was – someone had also told me to be really careful because, you know, people sneak into your room at night sure. and there's all this stuff. And, and the lock on the door in this place I was staying was one of those locks that, like, you could stick your fingernail in. Yeah, and, you know, it's like, why do you even right. call this a lock? Yeah. You know, it's just silly. But uh, so I was sleeping with my money belt under my pillow. And uh, I, I had a – this is like a week after I'd been in Asia, my first trip to Asia. And uh, I had an early morning – train to catch to to Jammu Jammu uh, which is up in Kashmir and it was like a 30 hour train ride and it left the station at 7 or something so the night before I packed up my backpack got everything ready and in the morning I woke up brushed my teeth put on my backpack went to the train station and I'm sitting there, I got a tea and it's like, wow, this is going to be my first Indian train ride, sure. which is an amazing experience. And it's hot already at six yeah. 30 in the morning and this bead of sweat goes down my spine and I sort of reach back and touch it. And where's my money belt? Right. Fuck. I left it under the pillow. Right. I checked out of a fucking hotel, left all my money and my passport under the pillow a week into my yeah. round the world. Chris is going to go Chris's big adventure trip. Oh, fuck, man. So I ran back to the the hotel with this backpack yeah. and I had and also stupidly like they say generals always prepare for the last war. You know, yeah. I packed. As if I were going to Alaska, because right. that's the only place I'd really traveled before. Good idea. So I had a tent and a backpack. I was nice. like, you know, like that's not how you travel in yeah. India. You know, like you're not going to set up your tent in India. Right. Forget about it. So anyway, so I, I ran back with this like 70 pound pack on my back and ran it. And the, the owner was at the desk. You know, where he was Sikh and he was yeah. wearing a, a turban. You know, they never cut their hair and they sure. sort of pulled their beards up into it. And I ran past him. What's happening? Oh, I have to go. I ran upstairs, bang on the door, and there was someone in there. And they were speaking Hindi. Yeah. They wouldn't open the door. So I went back down, and the guy's like, what, What's going on? What you? I said, oh, I left something in the room. And he said, what, what did you leave? I said, I left some important papers. How, what, what papers? My passport. He said, oh, my God, you left your passport. That's terrible. Ah, anything else? I said, yeah, I left some money. How much money? And at this point, it's like, why am I getting all these questions? Yeah, yeah. Right? And he's really looking in my eyes. He's looking deeply. He's searching yeah. in my eyes, right? And, of course, I'm, like, really agitated. Sure. I'm sweating. Yeah. I'm freaking out. Like, oh, I'm panicked. But luckily, I was centered enough that I noticed, like, this something's going on yeah. with this guy, right? And 
You know, I mean, I've been in, as you have, and we all have, if you live long enough, you find yourself in a lot of fucked up situations where, in my case, in my strategy is when I'm really that bad, you know, when I'm in that bad a spot, I, I, I just, I just, I don't try to hide. I just like give it up. Be honest, you know, be honest. And maybe the universe will help you. So I just said, look, man, I left all my money there. $14,000, everything. And he reached under the table and he handed me my money belt. And I opened it and I looked, I didn't count the money, but I sort of, there was a big stack of hundreds looked right. He said, the boy who cleans your room found this and gave it to me. He earns $8 a month. He said, that's enough money to buy this hotel and three more. Right. <laughs> and I, I took a couple hundreds and I said, please give this to the, the cleaning boy. And he said, oh, no, no, you insult him. He doesn't do this for the money. He didn't give a, you know, he's a decent boy. I said, well, what can I do? And he said, uh, Give me whatever it was, $20 or something, uh, and I'll have a party for the employees of the hotel to honor him. And now go get your train and be careful. Wow. Yeah. And I went because I didn't have time. I mean, I'm sure I thanked him. And I ran back to the station, got the train, you know, found my place, sat on the train. Train starts pulling away. And only like a couple hours later or maybe who knows maybe a couple years later did i realize how important that guy yeah, was yeah of course cuz that man i mean if i had if he had kept the money yep. there's nothing i could have done no. you don't call the cops and say no. especially in india like well no, he didn't actually <laughs> steal I mean, I don't really know. I left it, and I don't know where it would be, but I have an inkling that he may have it. And, and I'm American. I've got my rights. Yeah. I've got my rights. Yeah, that's not going to work. Yeah. yeah. So I would have been like a week into my first, you know, Chris the Adventurer trip. I'd oh, be calling by my way, mother. While they are commenting about, you know, you guys need to do this and that, you should also mention, oh, but by the way, since we're talking and being friendly, your women are really hot. That would help. Uh, With the police? Yeah, that would certainly help them yeah. uh, search for you and help you out. Exactly. Because that would... Uh... <laughs> yeah, officer, maybe, I don't know if you can... <clears throat> find my money but could you hook me up with your daughter exactly uh, that really, would, uh, yeah that would take care of business <laughs> <I know. laughs> yeah but i mean that guy would that guy you know that was a crossroads and that guy's decision you know ultimately led to me i spent i spent two years in asia on that right. money you know as opposed to you know calling my mother and asking for a ticket home <laughs> and living in their basement while I while everyone in the world laughed at me. Yeah. Do you hear what happened with Chris? Yeah. Big, how was your trip, Chris? Yeah. You're right. back already. Great. Great. Wow. Oh funny. man, life's funny, huh? A wild indeed. Have you been to Asia? No. Thinking about it. No, I haven't. I've been through Latin American countries, Europe, Northern Africa. That's about it. You have any wild adventures in Latin America? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> My first night in Mexico when I was 11 um, was interesting. I ended up um, in a brothel next to, uh, in the room next to us, there was a 
hooker with some three drunken guys. You know, in the in the tourist guide, it said, uh, you know, it basically said it's a cheap enough place to be, cheap enough place. Well, it wasn't exactly a formal brothel, but basically that's what it served as. <laughs> and, so uh, lonely planet led you into a brothel. Yeah, basically. And uh, I remember, you know, clearly nobody was sleeping. Everybody was like, "Fuck!" First night, you know, you arrive, your flight lands late, so you go to the place, you get yeah. there, they're just waiting for the sun to come up to say. I remember. My mom still was like laughing her ass off because <laughs> 3 a.m. where we're just laying there, freaked out, waiting. <laughs> and you're 11. And, uh, and I remember saying to no one in particular, muttering, Why doesn't my mom ever take me on vacation to Switzerland or something? Why does she have to take <laughs> Disneyland. me? Disneyland. <laughs> what the fuck, she mom? She's taken me to Morocco before, and yeah. now we're in a fucking brothel in Mexico City or something. We're like, great. That's great. That's where. Your mom sounds like an interesting person. I just yeah, passed her in the garden there. She looks like, she, you know, she's our age. Yeah, yeah, no, she's, uh, yeah, she's, she had me when she was, um, she was born, uh, I was born the day after she turned 17. So, yes. She and was, was she uh, just a, a big traveler and, and like taking you around? Yeah. 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 She traveled. Was she, was she a hippie? Yeah, kind of, yeah, kind yeah. of a free, free spirit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So she's, well, that's cool. That's a hell of an education for you. No, yeah, she's she's wild to say the least. That's wonderful. The stuff she's done, the stuff she's been into, the stuff—it's uh, pretty bizarre. You ever interview her on your podcast? You know, I had her once, but we aren't talking about her. We're actually talking because a friend of ours died, and it was this American Indian guy that. Yeah, speaking of the wild stories that my mom has been into, she met this guy. He was in jail for something he didn't do, was this fucked up legal case, and then she spent basically 10 years eventually getting him out, out of a 95-year sentence, eventually to get him out. In one of those cases where there was, there was no chance, there was every door was locked, he was done, he was over, he was... And it wasn't easy, you know, it was 10 years of work on it, and eventually got him out. And uh, but yeah, those are her life is filled of crazy stuff like that. Mm. And uh, yeah, she's quite a character to say the least. Well, could I interview her sometime? Of course, I would love to. Yeah, yeah. 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 She's because uh, it's probably uh, it might be a little weird for you to interview her. I don't know. I maybe no, not. No, maybe no, not. Okay. I mean, you should. It's because yeah. no, actually, you should do it. Fuck yeah. it. Why am I going to no, do no, it? But, you you know the yeah. stories. Yeah, yeah. You but, know? but at the same time, because I know them, some of them I wouldn't even think of going there because you wouldn't come to it's like you know it's like when you have something in front of you all the yeah. time you take it for granted so you don't even think much about it yeah Whereas, yeah uh, yeah like sh- man so much crazy stuff she um it's funny when talking about especially with me liking martial arts talking about fighting with people you see her she has been in more fights than anybody i've ever met physical fights yeah. physical really? fights and Weird karma, because, you know, her sister growing up in the same household, everything the same, never an issue. Hmm. With her, it was like seven gazillion attempted rapes, uh, seven million problems with politics or things. You know, it's like a long... This is really where you just say karma is weird. Because she doesn't walk like a victim. She doesn't do the... But it's like I expect it almost on a regular basis. If a couple of years go by and I don't hear about something, uh, 
regularly like that. It's like last time I was like in Milan was three years ago. You see my mom, you know, yeah. she's now like she's 20 or something, yeah. obviously. And he's like, what happened? Why are you late? He's like, oh, yeah, this guy tried to rob me on the subway. And uh, what happened? Well, nothing. He just, I broke his nose. He fell down the stairs. So he fell, <laughs> and the police picked him up. And I'm like... <laughs> Jesus. Okay. On that note. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah. It's all. Is, has she studied martial arts? Is she little, but you know, no, it's crazy nature and really? growing up that way. And, wow, uh, that's funny. Yeah. And she grew up in Italy. Yep. Yeah. 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 But uh, yeah, it's nuts. It's just objectively nuts. She had, uh, yeah, some of the stories are really insane so did you were these just like trips she was taking vacation kind of things or or were you growing up like traveling steady no those were uh vacation kind vacation of things. long trips, vacation right. like mexico we're gone for like i don't know five weeks or something uh, so yeah. it was an extensive period of um, hmm. and it changes you of course especially when you're a kid it yeah. changes things quite a bit i remember you know i was very my dad is the opposite. He always very much sheltered me a lot, kind yeah. of protected me, don't get tired, comfortable, do this, right. you know, and my mom was very wild. It's an and, interesting inversion of the right, normal exactly. parental roles. Complete opposite. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, I remember, you know, the first day you are in Mexico as a kid who grew up in a more comfortable setting. You're all like, you see the giant cucarachas and you freak out. By day 10... You don't give a fuck about anything. You yeah. know, you're just you're used to it. Yeah. Nothing disturb you anymore, and it really changes the perspective quite a bit, right there. Yeah, I I think that's an invaluable lesson. That you know, not just about cucarachas, but but in general, this this sense that you know our personalities form around these ideas of things that are dangerous mm-hmm. or that you know i think like oh i can't stand this or i can't stand that it becomes part of your personality yeah. that you define yourself as someone who can't stand this mm-hmm. or that you know whatever disgust disgust yeah. is a funny thing it changes real quick when you get used to stuff yeah it's like, it's like what you're saying about yeah. killing and eating an animal yeah. or whatever it's like hunger but yeah i mean i learned i was i was much older than you before i actually you know tried when i went somewhere that right. different but yeah i can remember that feeling of like all this shit that i thought was really scary yeah. or disgusted me or blah 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 like yeah you're right like when you and a part of it is just you see other people who don't give a shit about it. Yeah, you know, exactly. like like shit in India, like people shitting along the yeah. street. I remember walking down the street in a village, this beautiful village called Pushkar, and I was high because I had had a bang lassi. Mm-hmm. It's this yeah. stuff you drink, and I'm walking along, and there's this old lady taking a dump by the side of the road, and she's looking right in my eye. She's not no shame, right? At all. And as I walk by, she reaches out and asks me for some money. <laughs> and it's like, you're begging while you shit. Yeah. And I'm just walking along stone, laughing my ass off. Right. And then I saw this cow that was walking toward me. And it's just sort of, you know, doing its cow thing. And I was high enough that in that moment, India made sense to me. Right. For the first time. Of course. It had been irritating the fuck out of me for about six weeks. Yeah. Just driving me nuts to the point where I was seriously thinking about just getting out of there, go yeah. fly somewhere else. And in that moment, the woman shitting, asking for money, smiling, the cow, 
is like, oh, yeah, I get it. Yeah, I yeah. get it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And from that moment on, my whole experience there was different. Yeah, because otherwise you spend the entire time stressing out and you can't. You're resisting. You, know, you, you can't resist. No, you yeah. need to either, because, yeah, you're in the wrong place. You need to get out if you can deal with it or you relax yeah. and go with it. But, yeah, I don't know. I remember, like, little things like the... Um, being Mexican buses are an interesting way of traveling, definitely. And yeah. I remember in one of them, there was like a nest of, or it's not a nest, a hive, I guess, of wasps mm. in there. And no wasp, you know, wasp where you can count like black stripe yellow, black yellow, you know, they are like Big, two inches yeah. long or something. Like hummingbirds. And it's so fucking hot. And you've been on this bus for eight hours. And you are, you know, I remember one thing just landed on my ear. And my mom was like curious how I would react. And I remember, because you're sweating like crazy. You're so tired. I didn't even turn. I didn't move. I just raised my hand to my ear, crampled it in my hand. And I was like... I can't always sleep now, you know, it's like, just <laughs> D-Day. But I was like, damn, things have changed in just a couple of weeks, right. you know, because it's like, I definitely wasn't that way two weeks before. Yeah. You get used to stuff. The, my favorite Mexican bus thing was, uh, I see this bus stopping in this dirt country road somewhere, and the driver just looking at the clock and sitting there, and the bus is still there with the engine running, and everybody's like, why did we stop? What's up? What's going on? And we see this noise of a plane, and there's a plane landing and crossing through. The bus road was going through a landing strip, <laughs> through an airport, and you had to know when the planes are coming, when you are supposed to stop. To. Wow. I was like, wow. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Third world bus trips, man. So many times I thought, well, this is how I'm going to die. Yeah. Because, man, the way they drive. Yeah. Holy shit. And all these, you know, because you're traveling, so you're going to these mountain villages yep. and curvy, curvy, curvy. I remember... That same trip in India, when I took that train up, then I, w- I took a bus from Jammu, Kashmir. No, it had a compound name, but yeah, this, the city where the train up to Srinagar, which right. is this amazing, amazing place up in the mountains, the Himalayas. And uh, so it's super curvy, you know, 20 hour bus ride. And I remember I was sort of semi conscious, and my head was against the window, and I was listening to. Talking Heads, Little Creatures, always reminds me of the Himalayas. And this Walkman, I'm sort of zoning out. My eyes are open. I'm just, you know, watching the bushes go by and goats and whatever along the side of the road. And suddenly we're going over a bridge. So there's a chasm. The road drops away. And I look look way down. I'm seeing very far down, you know, maybe 100 feet or more. And there's a bus lying on its side, mangled. And a bunch of bodies wrapped in white sheets lied out next to it. And it was a flash. It was yeah. like, boom, image. And then back to the goats. And da, 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 da. Did I just see that? Yep. Did I just fucking see that? Yep. Whatever. I'm so glad you are on this bus rather than that one. Yeah. Yeah, funny. You know, that same trip. So I'm in Srinagar, which is, I was living on a houseboat because there are all these houseboats there. It was where the British went during the Mm -hmm. summer. So they have all these beautiful houseboats with ornate wood carvings. And 
And now, well, now you can't go there because it's there's war. It's, right. You know, uh, it's pretty close to the Pakistani right. border, and it's Muslim, and there's all this stuff. But anyway, at that time, you could go there. And so I was in on this houseboat. I was with these two guys that I'd met on the train, uh, Chris, who was a British doctor, and George, a German bus driver slash hashish smuggler. And we were sharing a houseboat. And we had, it was early November, late October, early November. And so we were there for a while. And oh, oh man, crazy shit happened. There was a fire, all this stuff. But I, anyway, the point of this story is that we got tickets on a bus to go up to Leh, which is in Ladakh, which is the highest city in the world. It's right. like way up in the Himalayas, Tibetan. And that's a long grueling bus ride just up 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 in these curves and so we woke it was an early morning bus we woke up and we were all in our sleeping bags and it was cold and it's like okay guys we gotta go let's go we gotta get that bus and and oh and then chris the doctor said "Mm, guys i've got a cold i i can't do it i'm not gonna go you guys go ahead and the tickets were like five bucks so whatever you buy another one and George was like, oh, I want to go, I want to go. So I had the deciding vote, sort of, and I was like, oh, it's so warm. And, you know, oh, no, fuck it. We'll go to later. So we went back to sleep and then got up. And then it was like, ah, oh, let's. I think George might have. I don't know what George did, but Chris and I both said, like, nah, fuck it. Let's go south. It's too cold. It's, yeah. So we went. We got this deluxe video coach down to Delhi, which is another whole story. But so we get down to Delhi like four or five days later, and I look in. Uh, there's a newspaper. We go to, out to eat, mm-hmm. and we uh, there's a English language newspaper. And look, and front page news is that four days ago the buses that left from Srinagar had been swept away in an avalanche. The bus I had a ticket for yeah. had been swept away in an avalanche, and they hadn't realized for like three days, right? Because it's so far up there. Sure, that was gonna go there, right? right. It's like in in Lay, they're like, "Oh, where's that? Yeah. Where are those buses?" Uh, and then they call the military, and then right. it takes a few days. And these people had been like in snow for three days, frostbite, lots of deaths, lots of amputations, Bigger. terrible yeah. shit. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. How everything can roll on the dice right there. That's why anytime I wake up and don't feel like getting out of bed, I say, well, that's a message from the universe. <laughs> Let's stay there. Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry I missed the appointment, but, you know, you can't, yeah. can't second guess the universe when it's telling you to stay in bed. Yeah. No, I'm a big fan <laughs> of staying in bed. Always. When it's telling you to get right. up, that's a different yeah. story. You might want to think about it. But, yeah. Fuck, man. It's almost two hours that we've been talking. It could continue for another. The time just 15, goes by. I, yes. I don't even know what we've talked about. But thank you, Daniele Bolelli, thank the great, you. the great Daniele. Is uh, it, on the off chance that one or two people listening to this don't already listen to your podcast, where will they find it? Uh, the Drunken Taoist podcast. The Drunken Taoist with a T. With a T, all the spelling. But you, you pronounce it yeah. D, yeah. yeah. Of course. 
And um, yeah, or you know, my name will be, I guess, on the episode or something. It's B O L E L L I. Very good. And uh, and your books are on Amazon. Books on Amazon, the whole deal. There's, uh, I've done uh, one. We didn't even talk about the fact that you're a historian. You're an expert in martial arts in American Indian culture. Secondary. I mean, yeah. It's all. Uh, it's amazing. Yeah, we can continue. That's why I'm saying. So anyway, find check time. out Daniele's books. All on Amazon on your website. Yeah, they yeah. have uh, yeah. You find in their t-shirts, Amazon, so funky it's... t-shirts, and uh, Danielle is a super interesting guy, as I hope you've already ascertained just from listening to the chat. But check out his work, which is fantastic as well. Awesome man, thanks Thank so you. much. Thank you. He said, "Baby, what's the big deal? Feel what you want." Say what you wanna say You're gonna die one day For example, I could kiss you Just because I want to What's the difference if you turn away I'm gonna die one day Why do you waste your time Thinking about your reputation Trying to meet an expectation Smoke alarms will dance into the ground.